James. Buddy, Duncan. It's 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> Too early to get <laughs> a podcast. James is like, the only time you could bloody well make. So anyways, what are we talking about today, James? Well, it's a dedicated Duncan. We are, you know, passions of our craft. But today, um, I thought we'd try and talk about an interesting topic, which I've titled, Can Fantasy Trump Reality? And one of the, uh, well, I guess the premise behind this is we see a lot of examples in, you know, startup world, in politics, and even in uh, in social life where you can have an idea that may or, not, may or may not necessarily be true. But does that matter? Because, for example, if you're trying to build a, a startup from scratch, then the vision that you've created by almost by definition does not exist. And so you have to almost will that into existence through a lot of hard work. And I'm sure Duncan can tell us a lot more about that than I can. But where does the, the where can the line be drawn between someone who is talking pure fantasy versus someone who is actually making steps towards creating a reality? Um, so this is a James topic, um, not a Duncan topic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like there's no way we're going to be able to talk for an hour about this. But every topic so far, we have easily been able to. Um, and so to me, um, I think there are like certain areas where we don't have uh, conclusive, like almost all areas, <laughs> proof of things. Um, and I think that certain, you know, mindsets, whether you can prove, like, uh, you know, are we determined, you know, determinists or is there like free will? Um, and I don't think that one person knows conclusively. Like, I don't think it's like actually, you know, arbitrarily, or, you know, there's 100% conclusive proof that it is one thing. But I, I believe that it is in our interest in this case to think of ourselves as having free will and that that is unlikely to hopefully help us make on average better decisions than if we don't believe that. But I think what you're talking about mainly is in the startup space and I have some thoughts on this. So yeah, um, what do you think, James? All right, so we're going down the philosophical route to start things off. So we're no, let's just start. do startups because you know, the philosophical route, oh, I don't know, you start a startup, <laughs> and I think startups is better because um well, you mentioned free politics. will yeah we should maybe we should talk politics because as well um so in certain places like the truth matters much more i don't know physics you know if you're trying to build a rocket you're not just going to will it to go to space you know if we believe enough it's going to happen um in other ones like financial markets normally um you know the the you know you can't sort of distort you know reality forever although definitely markets can be irrational you know um but in politics to get elected, um, often you can just have pure, you know, ideology get behind someone's belief, and that belief may not necessarily be a good reflection of reality. But doesn't matter because if your job as a politician you think of is to be elected, mm. then and I personally hope that not many people think that, but unfortunately it feels like a lot do. Um, then perhaps the best strategy is to play to people's beliefs um, or you know distortions of reality as opposed to playing to improving the common good as much as possible. Hmm. So maybe it's not so much in fantasy Trump reality, but does can belief Trump truth? Maybe another way, because um, what I so what I wrote down here is that you know I think we can all agree that truth is a high value. That you know you hear people talk a lot about like you know always tell the truth. The truth shall set you free. The truth matters, and like you said in you know in areas like physics or just in nature in general if you don't align yourself with tr the truth or reality then you're going to be bumping up against uh reality in such a way like you know gravity if you don't acknowledge gravity then you're not going to be able to know how to build a rocket properly mm. uh, but sometimes lying might not only be acceptable but actually better mm. and i like the, the example of politics because there's two lenses here for me one is what you were talking about which is when they're campaigning and they will just blatantly um, what is it cater to the masses and just say what they want to hear yeah. but then there's the other side which is more interesting which is things like COVID and when you hear about what's more and more about what's coming out it would seem to me that a lot of people in positions of power knew about the the risks of you know well not the risk but like the, the reality of COVID and it wasn't what they were saying and I think behind all of that 
they believed they were doing the right thing by lying. Hmm. Um, well, if we stick on the COVID one for a little bit, um, to me, you don't fight lies with lies, you fight lies with truth. You know, democracy dies in darkness, sunlight is the best disinfectant, all that jazz. Hmm. Um, to me, if you have people lose trust in you, then the next time you say something, they don't agree, you know, believe you. Um, and the sort of degrading of trust, and there are many ways people measure this, but one of them is like, you know, percentage trust in the media then means that you can't really operate. And so I'm no fan of Donald Trump. Um, you know, I think he went about on a systematic campaign to try to undermine, undermine people's trust in, in the media, you know, um, sort of fake news, you know, being the thing. But it also appears, frankly, that mainstream media have done a lot of fake news. <laughs> um, now, certainly, you know, anything Trump didn't like was fake news, which is, um, I don't think, a great strategy at all. But, you know, to me, Trump, not a good person, certainly not somebody who I would um, want to be president. But you don't sort of, you know, any and all measures um, because there's a second order consequence of, well, now like, I have significantly less trust in the media than I did um, because I think that they have been caught lying and they haven't really owned up to it that there's you know part of censorship and, and other things um and to me so i suppose right now for just from a media perspective maybe in the short term you might be able to get something that is good if you're sort of lying right on a sort of but i struggle to see why in the long term that's going to be a better strategy and so to me so this at work you may not want to know the truth you know the truth may hurt but ultimately you're going to find out one way or the other mm. and the better, the sooner you find out the better. So as they say, bad news early is good news because you can do something about it. Bad news late is bad news because you're screwed, right? So some news is not good. Like you need some feedback that the way you operate is not good. Well, to me, I'd much rather know about it than not know about it because you're going to find out about it in some way. So, yeah. Well, this brings us to our, uh, our sponsor prostate examination have you had your check today don't what? cut it off <laughs> i haven't had my prostate check today oh god where, where did that come from we don't have any sponsors that, if they that, were, i don't really mind like it's important to get your prostate checked you know whatever bad news too late doug it is not uh, good <laughs> I do not know what the hell is going on in your brain this morning. Do you have something relevant to say, please? It's 6.30. What do you expect? So for me, the idea about – there's two – I think there's two things at play. One is the idea that, you know, people in mainstream media or in similar situations believe they're doing the right thing by not telling the truth. So, a, for example, I don't think it's a good yeah, strategy. Yeah, it's, I don't agree it's a good strategy either. But I think the better you try to understand it, the more you can see where we can try and right the ship if we don't think it's going to be net positive. Hmm. Uh, but the other is delayed gratification, um, and I think that's something that we all know about. Well, sorry, you can understand in, um, intellectually, but to play it out in real life is a lot harder. And what I mean by that is. You know, in in things like politics, to tell the truth, you are almost putting yourself at the mercy of your opponents who can deploy, uh, you know, tell, telling blatant lies to the public. So someone who operates only on telling the truth may feel like that they're going to be at a disadvantage. And for something like COVID or something like mainstream media and everything that Trump is talking about, by always just telling the truth, it kind of limits your ability to create the narrative that you think is the, in the best interest of your audience or yourself, I should probably say. So it's, yeah, it's really, it's really hard, I think, to always just be able to say, just tell the truth. And I think it's really interesting in, in light of, you know, what Trump basically brought to the table, which was, well, you can't trust you know, people in power, you can't trust the opposition, you can't trust everyone else, but you can trust me. Uh, I can't remember, like, who was it? Dave Chappelle. Like he said, Trump was an honest liar. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting because that was how Trump was able to generate a lot of, uh, you know, trust in his base who always believed he was telling the truth even though he was lying. It's an interesting point, James, but I would look at it differently. Um, 
I don't think that I think you were in some respects saying that lying was a better option than telling the truth in politics. Um, and it would lead to better outcomes. And I personally don't agree with that. Um, no, short term. Like, I short don't term. think that, that it is a good strategy you know, ever. And I don't think even like, so I, I would say that for me, anybody that is caught on systematic lines, it's like, if you were like, so if you didn't know, and there's always like, you know, whatever, two sides of a story, that's, you know, your side or whatever. But like, to me, um, I personally am not interested in people who lie in any kind of acknowledged or understood way ever in politics or in life. This is not something that I think is, to me, an acceptable route. And it should be career ending. Um, but unfortunately, um, it doesn't, you know, it's not the case. It used to be things that, I don't know, people in politics in, in the US, if they were caught doing it, it was end game over. But, you know, Trump, um, unfortunately, um, is able to, to lie about things large and small on a very consistent basis and not have it take, you know, take down his career. So to me, I would push back very heavily that I think lying makes sense or is advantageous um, or is something like I think it is the wrong strategy, you know, full stop effectively. Um, yeah. So to me, um, I don't personally endorse that nor think it's good nor think anybody should think it's good. And I think people that have found out about that. Um, like, so there's the thing like you can have a, a viewpoint on like, okay, what should our immigration policy be? and or, or like you know how do you think you know we should deal with climate change but to say that climate change doesn't exist or to say that an election was won when it wasn't or, or whatever else it is um is in my opinion a, a total deal breaker and not something that i personally would be comfortable with as a strategy you know you can run like a negative campaign sure you can run a positive campaign i don't mind that but lying no yeah so i guess we can try and see if there's the distinction between you know hard lies and soft lies because I think we should just get away like i don't know like not like it's like to me i don't know what you were getting at but like it, it comes across in my mind like that you were endorsing lying um or that it's a strategy that makes sense um yeah and to so, me th this is something that i strongly am against yeah so understanding something's not the same as condoning and what i want to try and do is understand why someone thinks it would be advantageous for them to lie and if you like when I think about it, it's blatantly obvious why people lie, and that's because it gives them some form of an advantage. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm not saying that that is the best thing in the long term for them, even. But I don't think we lie because we just, uh, you know, adrenaline junkies and we just like to put ourselves in harm's way. I think we lie because in that moment we believe that's going to give us the best possible outcome. You know, like when you were a little kid and you were running around and you might have knocked over something and broken something in the house and your parent comes out and says, like, did you do this? And you're like, no. And I didn't do that. Just... I just didn't do it. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to give you a hypothetical, Duncan, all right? Yeah. Not, al not always about what did Duncan get up to when he was a little, you know, little rug rat, so to speak. But the idea is, like, for me, I think there are people or there are scenarios where it's, it's lying right now but it might be because you believe it's going to be true later and that's a very different thing so i wouldn't call that lying at all okay. that, that, all that right. to me is a fundamentally different thing and this is this is yeah so to me you're talking about it in politics like so to me like having a vision of how the world can hopefully be different to today is not mm. lying it's and then going to do the work to see if you can make progress towards it mm. is, 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 is entirely different to lying so mm. i would not use that word anywhere remotely close to that like there's like a hard break in between what those two things are in my head. Yeah. Well, it, it, it it's a hard break, but like what so what I was trying to think about is like what's the difference between the truth and your truth, right? So you can have certain beliefs that may or may not align themselves with reality, but you might believe them to be true. So like one example could be someone like Elon Musk believing that he can build um, you know, reusable rockets. And he knows that it doesn't, you know, necessarily exist yet, but based on a limited set of information and his own capabilities he can make he can not just will that into existence but over a very long period of time and through a mountainous amount of effort bring that into reality but then it's something tantamount to well i believe that what's a good example you know i, I believe that we shouldn't be building rockets because there's by bringing by what is it by bringing forth the ability to be a multi-planetary species, we lose focus on 
looking after the home that we have here. Right, so that's my truth. Now that may not necessarily end up being true, but it's different to what you consider to be the truth. Um, I think we can draw a line here because I think the way that using words is, uh, in my opinion, unhelpful. Um, okay. There are facts and there are opinions, right? You're entitled to your opinion, you're not entitled to your own facts. And so you thinking that your opinion is the more you know helpful one for whatever you, fine, sure. That doesn't make it a fact that doesn't mean that you're lying or people that have a different opinion to you are liars. Um, so fact, I don't know, Biden won the election. You know, saying that you won it, lie, right? You know, opinion, what's the best immigration policy for the US? You know, it's, it's not that, you know, well, the, the Democrat one is is a truth and, and the Republican one is a lie. Like those things are sort of very, very different. And to class them as that, um, as, as your truth, um, to me, is cultish um and so this is one of the sort of things that there's like you know to use tim urban's things there are scientists who are you know and there is no the science is never settled you know there's no truth right and then there are zealots where you know this is always the case that the, the, the earth is flat or that you know it was made in six days by god or whatever so i think maybe to me i think we should shift to a, a different place which is where it was sort of started because to me anyway I, I personally feel that that can be more helpful um, so that the whole, you know, George Bernard Shaw quote, um, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable man adapts the world to him. Therefore, all progress relies on the unreasonable man. Um, and so to me, the world is very different uh, than what it was, you know, even whatever, two years ago. I mean, now we have a titanium iPhone. What will Apple think of next? You know, <laughs> $28 billion of R&D. What do we get? A USB-C port and titanium. Man, that sounds like some money well spent. I reckon I could have come up with that for probably half the half the twenty-eight billion. So if they want to pay me fourteen billion, I could um, come up with some similar level of innovation for them. Um, and so, to me, um, unless it is against the laws of physics, then it is possible to invent, right? Uh, and so, it's just a question of whether or not you want to do the work to invent something. Um, and so, to me, um, I hope everyone can see that the world is different to what it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago. I don't think that's some sort of thing. And that happened because humans invented things or found ways to change the world. Um, and so this means like, again, like at the moment, like, you know, I don't know, we can't go faster than the speed of light, but perhaps someday someone will figure out why that theory, because it's a theory. It's not like an arbitrary, like it is an iron law or whatever, um, that that theory is wrong. But right now they haven't been able to, you know, find a hole in it or whatever. And so to me, um, this means that, if you want to make the world better, you've got to find a way to change it. So you've got to find, hopefully, so what is it, a vision or delusion, right? Um, and to me, the difference is whether you achieved it or not. So as long as it's possible, and most things are possible, but for better or worse, the, you know, whatever it is, I've forgotten the percentage of startups, like 80, 90% of startups fail, you know? So they have a vision. And I would say that for almost all of them, it was possible, but they weren't able to get it done. Um, and if they lied about their progress so like we have done it but you haven't that's not good but having a way that you hope to make the world better hopefully you're not trying to make it worse that's not lying and in the slightest um, um that's just you trying to think okay wouldn't it be cool if this existed but not telling people it exists it's like yeah i think that would be cool too so all right well let's try to see if we can make it happen don't guarantee you can um but unless it's against the laws of physics it's technically possible just whether you can figure it out different story mm. So I guess there's laws of physics and there's there's laws of, you know, capital markets. Because I can definitely see the point around, you know, it, if it's within the world realms of physical possibilities, then you can go and build it. Right? I can't remember what his name is, not David Dieter. Um, but we don't live in a resource-constrained world. We live in a knowledge-constrained world. So as long as you have the David knowledge... David Deutsch, I believe. Is that who David Deutsch, thank you. Thank you, yeah. So, He's um, great. I'm a big fan. Yeah. So if you have the knowledge and you're not bumping up against reality, then it's possible. And I think really good examples about this is something like Tesla versus Theranos. Because, you know, Duncan's, what, 20% through Elon's latest biography, so he'll probably be able to speak on this more than anyone at the moment. But uh, Elon had been quite, uh, you know, verbal on how incredulous he is that Tesla still exists. Like through all of the oh. different... Tesla, yeah, in company, incredulous. Yeah. Okay, go, so keep going. Yeah. 
yeah so he would he would talk about interviews that he he himself still can't believe that it is like alive today because there was just so many moments in its early days where it was so close to death that he did not see a way out and i'm not saying that in those moments he was talking to the market or investors and telling them you know things that were blatant lies but it would have been interesting to see if he still believed that there was a way forward or not because if he thought that it was going to die but he still kept on pushing forward anyway it got to us where we are today whereas you've got someone like elizabeth holmes and theranos building a new technology so that you can take blood samples from a single drop from your own home was a a wild vision and you know we all knew that it wasn't possible in the beginning but all it took was for her to run up against human reality which is needing more money and lying to investors about the current cap capabilities of the theranos machine that got her in trouble so i'm not equating theranos with tesla but I think one of the questions people often ask is like, was she lying from the start or did she simply run up against, run out of time in terms of getting Theranos to a point where it actually worked like building an electric car company was? Sure. Um, see, again, like this is, um, I don't know that this premise is that complicated. <laughs> um, so I don't know if it's against the laws of physics to be able to do the tests on one prick of blood. Um, but I suppose... I think it would possibly be possible, but we don't actually have the technology, right? So each generation of technology unlocks, you know, you know, 1.1 new things to do or whatever else it is, right? Um, what with Theranos is that she lied that the machines were working. So mm. could it have been possible at some point? I don't know, but like, you know, I'm not sort of like, is there some law of physics which says this is impossible? Like probably not, but this is not an area of my expertise. So it wouldn't surprise me at, at some point in the future, what she was hoping to build exists right just like i don't know they're trying to build quantum computers like you know it, it's going to be possible or you know now they're down to whatever three nanometer chips with tsmc and they could see that that was going to be possible 10 years ago but it wasn't possible 10 years ago you know and so someone claiming that they'd done it 10 years ago wasn't the truth but today it has been done so the major difference to me is that she said it was working when it wasn't having a vision to do that that's fine. Not just fine. I think it can be very good and, and important. Like if you're trying to make the world better, well, two strategies, do something that doesn't exist or do something that does exist, but there's not enough of it. So you need to make more quantity of it. Right. Um, so to me, yeah, straight up line. She said it was working. It wasn't um, like black and white, you know, and she's going to jail. <laughs> right? um, but the other one, like, I don't think um, this is line. Like, you know, Sam Altman um, says that being a founder, is finding solutions to impossible problems just over and over again, right? Mm. Um, and you can look at it from a micro to a, to a macro. You're setting off to do something that nobody has done before normally. Like, have you done this? No. Has anyone in the world done this? No. Okay, so nobody knows how to do it. So at the moment, it's an impossible problem because it's never been done before. And you don't know how to do it. So you have to figure it out. And sometimes some of those things are like, well, you're going to run out of money. It's like, well, you need to find a way to not run out of money. And not knowing how to do that, that's not lying. It's not like you, you tell the world you don't know. It's like, guess what? Nobody knows, nobody ever knows what you're doing is doing a whole lot of things that have never been done before. And it's not lying to tell the world that you don't know that. Mm. It, I think everyone knows that. It's like, it, it, you know, every, you know, whatever, venture capitalist, it's like, we're funding you to do something that you've never done and that nobody's ever done. And we hope that you can figure it out before you run out of money and a lot of you won't you know and you're not lying that you don't know you're just like yeah we've been making some progress but we need to continue making a lot of progress <laughs> and we're gonna make this much progress before we run out of money is that gonna happen you know and so that's just the nature of of, of i don't know startups yeah so that's the nature of startups and thank you for simplifying it back i never knew it was that easy but for me, I guess what I've been trying to, we, for this particular topic, what I'm trying to make a delineation between is, is there a benefit ever to lying? And Duncan's drawn a hard line and I don't dispute him for sitting on the side of like, you just don't ever lie. Like if we no, want to get- that, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. Like Sam Harris's book, Lying, where he says you should never lie. 
That's mm. silly. And I think we've, we've been down this from a philosophical perspective. Like, there are certain people that operate in a way that makes the world worse. So, for instance, the Nazis and the you know, eradication of the Jewish people. And so if they come and knock, this is the famous case that they use. They come and knock on your door. And let's say you're, you know, a Gentile, but you are, you know, um, you're harboring Jews and to try to make sure they don't get exterminated. And they ask you, are there Jewish people here? And you say no. So you lie, right? And yep. if you said yes, then they would die. Um, so, but you think that all else equal, that it doesn't make sense to exterminate, you know, uh, a, you know, an ethnic population. And so that therefore lying there is good. And so there are um, initially, like, I suppose people with, um, who haven't really thought about this before, lying is always bad. And you should never do it. And there are no circumstances. I'm like, no, yes, there are definitely circumstances under which you should lie, but mainly if you feel that the people that are, you know, they're doing have some, you know, whatever they're doing, you know, a goal that is deeply not in the interests of the common good. Um, mm. and so, so sure. But like, so to me, this is not like, I, I think this is well-trodden ground. Like it, it, any sort of, um, to me, you know, university philosophy course will go through this. Um, I don't know if this is where you were trying to go, but like with, with companies, the main thing to me is you want to try to create like, well, one is your mission, you know, uh, we want to make improve education. Cool. Well, how are you going to try to do that? And then, well, that's our vision. Then what is your strategy? Then your goals and your roadmap and your tasks. It's sort of one of the more well-known frameworks and getting this right, like the mission vision strategy is, is a big difference between getting people really excited and on board to try to do something that has yet to be done, i.e. something that is currently impossible, um, and to hopefully do it within the you know means that you have. And so this isn't lying. Um, it's helping people try to attack a problem. And you say, we don't know if we're going to solve it. We can't guarantee it, but we're going to try. Um, and if you do a good version of this, you get a lot of people who are excited to try to be a pioneer, to break new ground, to be an inventor, to, to, to do something that's never been done before. Um, and that isn't lying or isn't deception or isn't delusion. It is motivating people in a positive some way to, you know, make a difference. So do you think it's delusion then, not necessarily lying, when you have people in startup talking about a vision for a future where they're they're threading the needle between what they're saying they believe that is possible versus what they think will happen. You know, like, um, you know, Scott Galloway came up with a couple of examples a couple of weeks ago where he was talking about, you know, Elon Musk. A year from now, we'll have over a million cars with full self-driving. You know, he said that in 2019. Mm. Um, you know, Jeff Bezos, like, can we build a better phone for Prime members? Yes. Um, so that might be a little bit more gray area. But so you've got this, you know, I, th I think this gray space between, yeah, we're, we have a, a really bold vision and we're going after it and we don't know how we'll get there or if we'll get there, <laughs> excuse me, versus we know something about the future that no one else does. Mm -hmm. And by sharing that with not just your, your team in your company, but with the public, you can then create a different pathway in order to try and will that into existence when you know it's not necessarily true. Because I'm sure if Elon had said that in 2019, I'm just speculating here, but that would have created a lot more interest in Tesla. That would have probably bumped the stock price up, which would have given them more money, which would have given them more funding to try and bring that forward. So it's it's not the same as, well, it's kind of like um, Steve Jobs' reality distortion field, where what you're saying you know is not the consensus in the room, but you're just willing it into existence. So it's a, it's not so much like, are you lying when you say that we're going to have full autonomous driving in a year time from now? But do you believe that by saying that you're going to change the course of the next one year? I, again, I would draw a hard line between lying and what you're saying here. Like, um, do you set goals? Yes. You know, if you take the Larry Page school of stuff, you want to do moonshots. You want to do 10x, right? You don't want to aim hmm. for 20% better. And sometimes you get there sometimes you don't but if you fail for 10x and you only get 2x you still fail wildly higher above than those that were going at 10 percent so big picture thinking and 10x thinking is something which can help you think outside the box try to understand and so to me a lot of people was like okrs you know you should not be hitting them like if you've met your target then your target is too low you know and this is not a bad thing so we want to stretch we want to push um 
And so to me, there's a lot of this, you know, I don't know, high expectations, people rise to the level of your expectations. Um, and so to me, they talk about in education, low expectations, bad, high expectations, good, unrealistically high expectations, bad. Well, what does that mean? You know, you can sort of see that people lose um, confidence and faith. Now, I think that the people that are saying these things, um, if they are wantonly lying, that's different, right? And mm. I don't think that that's the case. And I think that you're using a word in a way that I wouldn't personally, which is, oh, they lied about this. Like, do I believe that Elon many times believed that FSD would be were done by now? Yes. Mm. Do I think that this was a conscious strategy to lie? No. You know, have there been many false dawns to his word? Yes. He's like, now I'm the boy who called, cried FSD and I've lost all credibility. You know, and they ask him on the earnings call, when's FSD going to be done? He's like, oh, well, I've said each year for the last eight years. And I want to say this year because I really think it is. But like, now, like it's like the eighth year in a row and I'm the boy who cried FSD. He goes, but like, I honestly think that we're going to get it done this year. So fight this year, you know? And so this is like, you know, they say um, trust is consistency times time. So, um, so, you know, to me, I think, the goal is to be highly trusted, um, whether that's as a person or as, an, as a company or as, a, as a, like a whatever, a country, um, an organization. Um, and that doesn't mean you get things right. You just, if you got it wrong, oh, I got it wrong and here's why, you know, here's, here's this thing, right? Um, and for better or worse, um, I don't think Trump has, I have no trust in Trump. In fact, for, he's been caught lying so many times that I actually assume everything he's saying is a lie. Like I don't yeah. assume a single thing he says is right. And I used to have very high trust in certain news organizations like the ABC in Australia, um, like, you know, I'm, you know, whatever, I subscribe to Fairfax in Australia, um, you know, New York Times, other stuff. But now, like those things, I still read them every day, like ABC, Fairfax, New York Times. I've gone from trusting like 90 plus of the time. And if they, if they got it wrong, I'd assume there'd be some correction to actually thinking 50% of it's wrong. And this is so sad because it's such us that I can't trust them anymore. There's so much bloody work required to try to understand so again, like you, the facts are upon which what you can build an opinion, right? And now that I don't have the ability to have high trust in these things for facts, it's super annoying because this means that I've got to second guess and question everything, whereas I hope that it was their job to have high standards and to point things out. So anyways, to me, um, this is slightly off and I'm happy to pause here, but the reality distortion field, I think is a really interesting concept. And what is it? And um, Again, is it net positive or not? Um, I don't believe that there's lying. And I wouldn't use that word remotely close to it uh, in the case of, say, Steve Jobs or, mm. you know, so, you know, I think he's the one who popularized it. But I believe that this is a, um, well, that, I don't know who came up with the term, but it's, it's an um, idea that is used by many people in startups. But um, I, I heard it from Steve Jobs and uh, about Steve Jobs. But I do think that a lot of people apply this strategy. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think it was Bud Tribble who coined the term uh, from Walter Isaacson's biography on Steve Jobs. But yes, let's get away from the word lying and let's just go back to fantasy versus reality because I agree with your point, Duncan, in the, in the sense of like, it's a lot simpler when we're talking about lies versus uh, truth. And I guess what makes this interesting is when you are either stating beliefs about the future or you're stating something that you believe yourself, but then they don't match with reality. And this is kind of coming back to reputation, credibility, and trustworthiness. And I definitely resonate with you there in terms of there were institutions where, you know, not that long ago, you would just default believe what they would be saying because you trusted them. But then over time, they showed, they showed themselves not to be trustworthy. And now you have to second guess everything that comes out of their mouth and you know elon musk and the boy who cried fsd is one thing um but it's also interesting because we still would trust elon with running a electric car company or a um a space rocket company even though you probably don't trust him when he says fsd is coming out within the next year so for me i think there is so i would i would get away from the word trust I know it's really like, so to me, like, I, I feel that these are just like, I think the word smart and dumb, are dumb, you know, they're not where it's like someone has leveled up and someone hasn't to me, these are all hypotheses. Like, you know, to take Tim Urban's thing, there's scientists and there's zealots. 
the zealots have beliefs and scientists have hypotheses, you know? And so to me, it's like, I don't believe this. And I don't think others do. Like I would literally not use those words. I'd be like, I have a hypothesis that we can do this and we can get it done on this time. But, you know, I've got these other things and there's some risk involved, right? And, but I think it's better that we're going at this hypothesis. Does anyone have a different hypothesis? Like, I don't believe this. Like, that's not words that would come out of my mouth. Mm. Like, our goal is to improve education. Our vision at the moment is that we can do this through resources. Now, there's a lot of evidence this can happen just at a micro level. I think you've all read a great book and you've learned something and you've all read a book and it was a gobbledygook and you didn't learn a single thing. Like, yeah, okay. So books can vary in quality. Like, that's pretty you know, easy to believe. You know, can we improve the quality? Like, yeah. All right, cool. Well, our hypothesis is that this is going to work and that we can solve the problems or the jobs to be done of students and teachers better than the existing ones. You know, there's already product market fit because we have, you know, effectively 100% market share for resources. It's, it's almost no teachers. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. There are certain subjects. But let's say in Victoria, 90% of the time in, say, maths and science, they're buying a resource. And so it's like, well, our hypothesis is that we can do this and we want to get this done by this timeline. Um, what, what are the trade-offs we're going to need to make to get it done by that timeline? Well, how fast can we run? You know, how many hours are we going to work and blah, blah, blah. And so to me, I'm never saying I believe this. I'm saying we want to improve education. We've got to have a multiple different, you know, visions or hypotheses about which is the best way to go about this. And then we discuss them and we want input from as many places as possible. Good ideas come from anywhere. And then you kind of be like, at some point, you know, this is not necessarily democracy in companies. You have to make a decision. It's like, cool, we're rolling with this and we're going to see whether this hypothesis turns out to have validity or whether there were issues with it and what those issues were. And then we're going to learn. So you do a retro and you learn and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you have those things like whatever, post-mortems, but now if you want to do pre-mortems because I can try to predict where things could go off. And so this whole, you know, um, quote from um, Paul Graham, um, which, where was it in here? Um, it's startups, uh, people talk about the importance of vision, but ultimately running a startup is like doing science. You are following the truth wherever it leads. Vision is only valuable insofar as it can predict where you'll find truth. So you're running a series of tests and then you're figuring out whether those tests work or not. And this has nothing to do with belief or truth or, or faith. It has to do with hypotheses and feedback from the market. Right. So maybe I can try a different example. So you take Ray Dalio's principles. Mm -hmm. One of them is believability where your decision making. And mm -hmm. so from what my, I recall is he based that on individuals who over time have proven themselves to be more accurate in their decision-making capability. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you've got Duncan and you've got James and Duncan has, you know, made 10 decisions over the last week. So has James. Duncan was right eight out of 10 times. James was right four out of 10 times. And so the next time Duncan makes a decision, Ray Dahlia would say, well, you give a weighting more favorably to Duncan because he's shown himself more capable of making accurate decisions. Now I get your point that, well, you know, what got you here won't necessarily get you there. Like every single new decision should be approached in, you know, in the same sense that you want to have a hypothesis about the world that's falsifiable. You want to be able to run experiments. You want to be able to see what the, the data says, and then you can, you can showcase whether that's a way forward or not. But I, like, it, it, I guess it piqued my interest when you said you think trust is a dumb word. So it's it, it's related to belief and you're like i believe this it, to me you're using like i don't know there's like religion which is based on faith and you can't question it right which is zealot style you know mm -hmm. thing and then there's scientists and i don't think that they would say i believe this or i have you know faith or or, or i trust this it's like yeah. no it's never done so to me the better lexicon to use is that of a scientist and the frameworks that they use you know, so when you're, when you're trying to find product market fit, it's not just, or some people, it's just dumb luck, but, you know, you're trying to use frameworks and understand, you know, what is the job to be done? What is our ICP? What is the hook for the ICP? And you run tests, you know, on these things and you slowly over time, hopefully improve your understanding um, and get closer to product market fit or whatever else it is. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's um, so to me, the more scientific you can be about it, hopefully the, the, the faster your rate of learning. Um, mm. And so to me, I would be using the science words not the, the the religion words which is right. you know that's the point of difference here yeah yes i guess the, it's easy to use the science words when you're dealing in you know parts of reality that are not based on things like relationships or human interaction but like you know we, we, were, we we're just talking earlier about someone like trump where he's not lying 100 percent of the time but because he's 
in my view, lost so much credibility in the past. I basically treat everything he says as the fault line. Yep. Uh, and that's because I don't trust anything that he says. I would say, um, you know, something like in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a partnership, whether it's a, um, a marriage, you know, trust is a, a fundamental component of a successful relationship. Like if I don't trust Duncan to show up at 6.30 to start this podcast, then I'm not going to be able to feel like that we can have a an ongoing, you know, podcast series. If I don't trust, um, you know, my team member at work to to do what they said they were going to do in order for us to be able to get to a point where we can test a, a certain hypothesis, then we're not going to have a productive relationship. So I think it's, it's about this idea around, well, I agree that, you know, thinking like a scientist is a net positive in terms of moving through the world and trying to create a reality that doesn't exist yet, you know, through experimentation, through a compelling vision, and then through always, you know, just being forthright with what your progress is along that path. But I also think that the human element is woven all the way through that, where things like, well, is this diluted? Is this like outright, um, you know, false thinking? Or is this something that we can't actually trust to be true because someone has said every single year for the last eight years it's going to happen this year matters, right? So it's not about there are, you know, there are parts of a business where you can just truly be a scientific driven enterprise and just run experiments the whole time. There's also the, the consideration that you have a team that you depend on in order to be able to execute against that. So again, like I'd, I'd probably change the lexicon. Um, it's not that you trust someone or you don't trust them. It's like binary, right? It's like, what's your confidence index? Mm. So or believability. Yeah, yeah, believability, but I would not use that word again um, because belief is again wrapped in religious, you know, sort of, you know, history. Um, so it's like, how confident are you in this person? And to me, um, so people sort of trustworthiness, maybe that's a better word. It's like, what's their trustworthiness? Not whether do I trust them? Because again, that sounds binary. Or maybe maybe the word is believability. Um, so if if you use and I don't believe them or something like how believable is this? It's like so what is our confidence in this? And so to me it's like cool. We have a mission, and I think you can say this: improving education. Cool. We have thought through three different options for vision, and we can't run all three at the moment at the same time. But sometimes companies get big enough and they can multi-thread or whatever, right? Mm. And so we're going to go at the vision of improving resources. We think that's a way to sustainably level up things, um, you know, from rural schools, city schools, high academic, low academic, you know, and, and the price point is achievable um, for all schools. So it's not like these are so expensive that only certain schools can you know, you do it, right? And so to me, this is, it's more like the the confidence index. It's like over time, um, I have high confidence in this person because I don't think anyone's like, I am confident or whatever. It's just, it's just like, so the words this, and also the other one is like, whilst I think I know quite a bit about certain areas because I've done the work to know. In some areas, I know I'm level zero. In some, I'm, I'm level 10. Like, I watched AFL game last night, the first one for the season, right? <laughs> um, and if somebody asked me, like, you know, what some, something on that, I would take, you know, some some opinion on that. I would take that with, like, zero confidence or something, right? It's just like, eh, you know? Um, but if somebody asked me to give them an opinion on, I don't know, a, a math resource, as long as I've done the work to understand it, I think that you could say that, well, that's a hopefully, a, you know, a, a, an opinion that I can have confidence in, right? And so to me, just because someone is good in a certain area, i.e. you have high confidence in area A, doesn't mean you have high confidence in all areas. Um, it's kind of requisite, you know, to the, to the amount of, I don't know, improvements they've done. So I suppose, was it a vision or delusion? This is what I called this. Well, it just depends if you were able to make progress to it. Because both of them, you know, one is somewhere you kind of get to and the other one is somewhere you don't. Um, and so to me, this is, as long as you're not purporting that you can guarantee you get there, you know, just like science is hopefully a, a slow increased understanding of the world if you take physics, you know, but so is like building a, a business with a product. The product slowly improves, hopefully, and does a better job for the people, you know, their job to be done is slowly better fulfilled and your ability to understand how to 
target them and explain to them why your product is going to help them so that you, they should you know use it gets better over time not you should get them to do something that's not in their interest and so again like a company in some respects is a science you know thing which is hopefully improving over time hmm. yes so you know the, the the famous quote the difference between uh genius and insanity is measured only by success mm. and was like, that to Einstein, right? I don't know. All I remember is that was a quote from one of the Bond movies. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, but- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great quote. I'll find out who's it. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I kind of think um, at least what that purports is there's not a lot that differentiates, um, you know, a, a grand visionary versus someone who's deluded other than their ability to bring that into reality. Hmm. And... You know, I, I think there's like the the component to which you move forward matters, and you kind of outlined that in terms of if you can think like and operate like a scientist, if you can be humble in your assertion that look, we have a vision, we want to improve education, we don't have a you know a a pathway there that's been all drawn out, and we just have to walk down it. We're going to you know believe that, well, not believe, we're going to build a set of experiment that we think will help us get there, but we're not there yet. Mm. Versus versus someone who is, you know, saying something to the effect of full self-driving does not exist yet, but it will in one year's time and say that every year for eight years. Um, I think if he was successful this year, then suddenly everyone would kind of like forget about the other eight years and be like, oh, Elon knew what he was talking about. He said it would be ready this year and now it is. And it's, you know, it's, I guess it's not so much the destination, it's the journey of how you got there. And if you're operating in a manner in which you are fully aware and fully communicative in regards to this is not guaranteed to happen, but we believe that if we focus on it and operate well enough, that there is a good chance of it happening, right? Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to try and, I guess, unpack is, you know what I mentioned last episode, which is the metaphorical truth. And metaphorical truths are basically things that may or may not be scientifically true, but due to believing in it, and we can change that word if we want to, it actually generates a net benefit. And I think that there are metaphorical truths in you know people like Elon Musk believing that you know full self-driving can actually be possible within the next twelve months is a net benefit. Because, you know, just thinking about that, on one hand, it might actually inspire his team to, like, who were, you know, yesterday thinking it's not going to be possible to now thinking, well, he maybe he knows something we don't, and so we're going to work harder and we're going to actually try and bring this thing forward. Yeah, so this is maybe the, the biggest takeaway for me so far is the, the use of language. So you use the word believe again. So I, I personally would say that's probably not the optimal word. Um, it's like... Has Elon said that he believes, ah, damn it, that he thinks that <laughs> FSD is going to be working, you know, this year? Yes, he has. I don't know if he's used the word believe or think, but I don't think he has said categorically it will 100% be here. Um, that's very different. So he's making a prediction, um, and his prediction hasn't been good. You know, I, I like the quote, you know, we specialize in making the impossible merely late. Um, and so he's been able to do things that many people did not think we're going to be able to happen. So, so what is a reality distortion field, which um, at least I became aware of the, the concept through Steve Jobs, um, but I would say is uh, employed by many, many people. Um, you know, Elon Musk be another one. This is my characterization. Like, you know, main thing is like, what, this is a deadline that we're going to put out there. And a lot of people are like, that's not going to be something we should do. And they won't even necessarily try. But through whatever, you know, their force of will, they're able to get people to be on board with trying to make that deliverable happen. And in both cases, um, you know, jobs and mask, this means like hectic work hours. So others would be like, nah, we should just have the deadline twice as far away instead of this. And we're, we're all going to like, you know, work eight hour days, not 16 hour days. Um, and so one of, um, you know, Elon's uh, sort of, you know, known tactics is to put a deadline that seems, uh, quote, impossible or and then just sit there 
and he so you know regarded as sort of the hardest working person on earth um and so he's he's, he's walking the talk you know he's not like okay now me go holiday <laughs> check in on you you know um <laughs> if you did that i don't know if you'd have the rest of them doing this and so one example that is brought up a lot is you know jobs with the mac and trying to get this done on time or elon with the the day that they're launching you know the um x.com thing on um i think it was thanksgiving um and putting hectic deadlines and but then themselves working and being able to get a team to work as well around a crazy ass deadline um and that's one example that i believe people would refer to as the reality distortion field um is having people like okay well i'm going to get on board with this you know effectively you know hugely ambitious goal you know or like you know and we're going to we're going to work epic hours right and so a lot of people aren't able to necessarily get people to want to do that uh, they just won't even try or if they did people would be like go screw yourself but i think there are people like elon and jobs who are you know as good as entrepreneurs get um and have got a lot of credibility um that are able to have this occur and so many many companies are simply not going to be possible but they've got you know the, the whatever the credibility um to be able to do that whereas it probably would not be you know in many places like if i said cool we're going to work till midnight every night for the next you know six weeks um and the only time you're gonna be at home is sleeping uh you know i don't think that would fly basically <laughs> now that can go you know if yourself yeah uh reach for the stars and you may end up landing on the moon so yeah. i i think it's a very you know interesting point in terms of you know people like steve jobs and elon musk setting these completely unreasonable goals and it may well have always been with the intent of knowing that it, it's not about the goal itself it's about what that will bring us forward into and it, it may well be that when they when you set a goal like that it's kind of similar to okr right we're going to set ourselves a whole bunch of objectives for the quarter knowing full well that we don't expect to achieve all of them right and so the distinction between you know what you were saying at the start of this podcast right you, you set high goals and then you try to get as close to them as possible as opposed to saying this is going to be um you know the result we know it to be true before we've even got there yet you know whether it's fsd in a year's time or whether it's um you know a um a particular political uh policy but by saying well, here's what we're going to go after and we don't say it explicitly but we all we know intuitively that that is almost impossible but by going after the impossible what did you say we bring the we just make the impossible late yeah we so specialize in making the impossible merely late um which is, I, I think is a great quote from elon yeah <laughs> so i guess for me it's about what do we like how do we use our language to, to your point duncan to bring into reality that was considered impossible or a mere fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just a simple matter of like, well, there are visionaries in the world like Musk and Jobs who can pass, can, who, who, what's the word? Who write a compelling vision and then are able to bring people along on that journey towards creating something. I think it's more than that. I think it is, you know, as humans, like we have the ability to, control nature right your quote you know the reasonable man adapts to the world it, therefore it depends on the unreasonable man to you know to build the future or whatever it was like for me i think it's actually innate in humans to build things that don't exist to create things that are you know at one point considered impossible but now possible and so it's about understanding well we're not just all deluded creatures walking around thinking that we can do things that are uh you know fantastical is it's actually an innate ability for us to see forward and then bring something into reality as you know, as part of that fact well to me this is the things like the world gets better because people make it better um and that happens because some people see a way to you know improve a certain area um and that's according to the stats of startups or whatever 80 or 90 percent fail um from you know inception point that is obviously i mean it would probably be better if a higher portion you know succeeded but the world is getting better you know 
Um, and so I think it's hard to say that it's not, you know, we would obviously like it to get better faster and, you know, we would like, you know, better outcomes for different people in different circumstances or whatever. And so to me, having a vision for how the world can be different, I think is crucial for that. Otherwise, you know, yeah, you know but for better or worse, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to accomplish this. Um, and that's not great, but also totally fine, you know? And so <laughs> me, um, I kind of think, well, this is the way I said think about it. Like, you know, one path to purpose is to try to make the world better in a certain way, right? Mm. Or improve humanity. Um, and I want to do the things where the counterfactual is that if I wasn't doing it, it wouldn't be done. If someone else is going to do it anyway, then leave it to them. Do you know? Like, because the improvement's going to occur. Um, and if if I'm doing something which I think is important and I'm unaware of others doing this, then if, you know, I don't do it, then it may not happen. So there's high risk, Jane. Um, and also there's no guarantee. And that's, you might think, oh, high risk is bad. I'm like, no, nah, it's good, you know, <laughs> because I want to do the things which are less likely to occur. Um, and so to me, yeah, it's good. Um, it's all else equal, um, a good thing. So to me, having a vision how the world can be different um, is fine. And if that vision doesn't transpire, that wasn't delusion per se. It was just, you know, what happens in most cases. And so one should consider or can keep trying to have visions and hopefully slowly over time get better at vision, but then get better at the mission, strategy, goals, roadmap, task piece. And as such, being able to hopefully turn that vision into reality. Yeah, I think beautifully said, Duncan. And Duncan. Yes. <laughs> 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 Maybe we should do a summary here, James. James's um, daughter has woken up and has come to say hi. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, for me to have established this, when we started off, there was a number of different threads that we were pulling at. And I like that kind of approach because that's kind of an experimental, scientific, you know, way of thinking around how are we going to try and make sense of, you know, this particular topic. But the, um, you know, where we started was talking about truth and like, are there acceptable facets of lying? But where we've ended up is, well, we can see, you know, a world in which there are a lot of people who create visions for the future. And what does the pathway towards bringing that vision into reality? And it's not a matter of like, is this the truth or is this, um, you know, believe but well is this not truth versus lie but is this something that somebody can confidently move forward in a way that they can bring that vision into reality so just a second try to think on my feet here um so yeah so i think it's innate in you know in humans or in people to want to think about something that is otherwise considered impossible today that they can try and create for tomorrow. I think there's definitely a pathway through scientific thinking, which is, you know, setting up experiments, running hypotheses and trying to be very forthright in terms of your progress towards that vision. But then I also think there's an element of whether you want to call it believability or um, trustworthiness or whatever, whatever other word. Confidence. Confidence in terms of your abilities to create that world yeah maybe my summary um i think it's probably better to think of the world as like a series of probabilities going to the future um and that you want to try to put forward so again there, there are facts and then there's everything else so for a fact you can be objective like today is saturday it is 7 31 izzy has woken up and is being very kind and not talking through the end of our podcast but for everything else there is just a series of probabilities. Um, and some of those things, like again, you know, Sam Altman, um, being a founder is solving impossible problems over and over again. Um, and that can be fun sometimes, and also it can be extraordinarily draining. And you're like, I'm sick of this. <laughs> I want problems that I think are much easier to solve or whatever, right? Um, and so I think perhaps it's better to, to use scientific language. I have a hypothesis that I have low confidence about. And, but I think it's, it's worth spending time on because, you know, whilst it's low confidence, um, if we can make it work, it, it's worth it, you know? And so to me, without necessarily calibrating that, it, it can be reduced to people thinking that you either 100% think it's good or 0% think it's good. Whereas 
you know, aside from facts, which, you know, are objective, everything else is just a series of probabilities and you're hopefully making progress or not. Like you've, you've done two units of investigation and you found out that, oh God, there's two assumptions that I thought were helpful that are actually really, really bad. And this is like going to make it extraordinarily difficult. So my confidence has gone from 50% to 10%. Or should we do two more units of investigation or should we, you know, stop this line of, you know, investigation and go somewhere else or whatever? So to me, um, this is not to me about truth or, or belief. It's about a series of probabilities about, and there's a lot of things that, you know, I hope to hopefully be somebody who people can have increased confidence over time. But that means not that I'm right all the time. It just means that I can tell them how confident I am about something. And if they see that, like, yeah, look, I think this very low confidence, you know, 10%, or I think this very high confidence, then they're kind of not always, well, Duncan said it, and last time he was off by a mile, and the other time he's being so, so I don't know what to think this time, you know, because some things I suppose I have high confidence on and some things low confidence. So the path to people having high confidence with you is to explain your confidence levels <laughs> and to not <laughs> use words like belief and truth and, you know, to not provide that context. Yeah. All right, James. Um, thanks very much. We should end here. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I believe that was a very nice podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, dude. I'll see you soon. Yes, thank you. Bye.